0: Listening to the Sci Fi Diner Podcast, serving the latest news in sci fi multimedia. And now, your hosts, Scott and Miles, your table is ready.
1: We're long and fortunate. This is a capital. We have a little problem with our entrance so we may experience some slight turbulence and then explode. I got a bad feeling about this. Walter, put the cowboy, would you? What is this place?
2: It's a freak show.
3: Welcome to the Sci Fi Diner Podcast. This is Sci Fi Diner Conversations, episode 87. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. Good evening. I'm Miles P. McLaughlin.
0: Hello. I'm M. Garcia.
3: And we have with us a special guest on the show tonight, Mr. Jim Arrowwood. Welcome, Jim.
2: Thank you. Cup.
3: Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's good to have you back. You've been on; the, you're no stranger to the show. That's for sure. It's great to have you on here just a little bit. Anyways, how's everyone doing tonight? Doing pretty good. I uh, just came off a convention uh, not too long ago. Yeah, surely, leave, sure leave, you leave. and M. That's right. Sure yeah. leave. It's yeah. too
4: bad you couldn't make it this this year.
3: Yeah, it was. It was too bad. And uh, well, I'm not the only one. I mean, Jim, you were just at what Ozfest the week before. Yes, that's correct. So my understanding is you got a chance to. Sit down with Keith R.A. DeCandido. DeCandido? DeCandido, yeah, there you go. I
2: blew his name twice. So.
3: Oh, I always blow his name whenever I say it. But, but, <laughs> but that sounds okay. like fun. I understand you no, inter- you interviewed him over at a bar, and so that made it really interesting. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. But very good, good times. I did not get to any cons these past couple weeks, but I'm okay with that. But. Next year. Next year we will. I will drag so, you kicking and screaming if I have to. <laughs> so uh, let's talk a little bit about what's going on in our world of sci-fi. Uh, Miles, w- w- what's going on in your world? Uh, as far as what I'm watching, um, really enjoying
4: Under the Dome. Just finished uh, with uh, the, the, the season finale of um, Falling Skies. Enjoying Continuum. Uh, the uh, patio book, uh, Leviathan Chronicles, is still great and still enjoying that. Oh, yeah. Um, reading um, Greg Cox's uh, tie-in novel to Man of Steel, so I'm about, um, I'm almost done with that. I'm so en- enjoying going back to Man of Steel. I don't know if I'll go and get to see the movie again, but reading the tie-in novels the next best thing. So that's good. And like I said, uh, came off of, uh, of uh, shortleaf so. That was a fantastic time. We talked a lot about that in the main show.
3: You know, I find that when you read tie-in novels, sometimes it fleshes out the movie a little bit for you that the movie doesn't do, just because of the space and time of it. Are you mm-hmm. get that feel as you read the tie-in novel at all?
4: Yeah, there's details that sometimes don't make the movie. And I I made, I made a point to 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 say hi to Greg. He was at, he was at the con and just say, hey, I'm I'm reading the tie-in novel, enjoy it. And he he told me he flew out to California. They had him in a locked room where he could look at the script. And so he could take notes and do what he needed to do to write the novel. And then he was able to get out of this locked room and, you know, <laughs> so it was a little, cl- cl- little clandestine as far as, uh, you know,
3: him able to do it. That. So that was, that was kind of cool. Oh, very cool. Very mm-hmm. good. Uh, and how about for you? What's going on in your sci-fi world?
0: What's going on in my sci-fi world? So right now um, I'm reading – I just started reading The Last Colony by John Scalzi. And um, and I've just kind of ducked my head into the audio version book of Will Wheaton's biography, which is geeky, not sci fi specific. He was on a show. Um, and I have actually started watching Stargate. Oh,
3: cool. Oh, awesome. I know. Yeah, and then it, if you're like Miles, you'll go through that in about two months.
0: <laughs> pretty. I'm sure I'm going to consume it pretty quickly, and then just like Miles, because I was with Miles, we were at shore leave, and I was at shore leave geeking out like, a, like, like I should, to be honest.
3: <laughs> yep, as you should.
4: And what's uh, Will Wheaton's biography called? I may have to check it out for myself.
0: Um, of course you ask me, and I don't have it in front of me. Um, oh, sorry, I'll, I'll look it up if. It's got a great title. I know that. Mm-hmm. Hold on, yeah. Will Wheaton.
3: Oh, the interweb is our friend.
0: <laughs> oh, my God, yeah, it totally is. Oh, Just a Geek. Just a he Geek. Wrote, it's, he wrote it ages ago, but it's still very, it's very
2: relevant.
3: <laughs> okay, cool. that's a good, uh, Jim, how are for you? What's going on in your sci-fi world?
2: Well, I'm watching uh, uh Under the Dome, and really liking Under the Dome. Uh, caught the uh, finale... Of falling um, skies had some problems with that. I'm looking forward to this weekend going to see Elysium. And currently, I'm reading From History Shadow by Dayton Ward, and I uh, just got downloaded Burning Man, uh, a Fringe novel. Oh, very so, good. good. Yeah, got a few things going on.
3: Are those the uh, the novel from Fringe? That's a, those, are those the prequels? Is that right?
2: Yes, uh, the, the first one dealt with how texafan came to be, and now the second novel, I guess is about uh, the experiments they did on the kids and how Olivia, how Olivia reacted to that. Um, there's two views on Amazon on this book though and they're not very favorable unfortunately but I I, of course will read it for myself and decide for myself whether it's good or not yeah it's the best to do
3: that sometimes
4: Jim I will consult with you uh, after you read the book see what you thought of it because I wouldn't mind checking it out but if you think it's maybe not worth reading I may
3: pass it up yeah huge fringe fans here that's for Mm -hmm. sure so,
2: oh, I know that. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, in, in my sci-fi world, um, I have been. I'm, I'm behind on Under the Dome, but that is. A, but I am. I am enjoying what I have watched, and I did not watch this season of Falling Skies nor the season of Continuum so far. Um, but I did. I've been going the past two nights. I think because I'm missing shore leave, I went through like I don't know twelve episodes of Deep Space Nine, season five. Uh, so I'm right in the middle of it and really enjoying that, uh, because I've stalled, I stalled at that point. Like I haven't touched it since probably, oh, earlier this year when I was kind of going through it, but, but really enjoying that. Um, I am about two hours from finishing the novel one second after thanks to Jim here who recommended it. I'm absolutely loving the book and I cannot put it down. Um, so the premise of this book, for those of you that may not be aware is, um, there's an em pulse EM, EM, yeah in the em emp pulse that yeah. kind of is detonated above the united states and takes out everyone's electronics hmm. and so it's like one second after what happens immediately after that um and it really talks it really kind of focuses kind of in on one family in one small remote town and how everything kind of degrades and how they band together to survive and i'm really interested in finding out how this you know ends um because really, it really kind of makes you think, makes you a little bit paranoid, yeah, a little bit. I don't know if I need much help with that, but uh, <laughs> but it was a uh, it's a <laughs> scary book, what very was that? scary. Yeah, it's a very, very scary book.
4: Those kind of stories are good for you. Get to see what people, what, what what does it do to people? Does it bring out the best of them or bring out the worst? of well, them? Well, you know,
3: I kept thinking, uh, I kept thinking Revolution, mm-hmm. uh, I kept thinking Walking Dead. Because this really, these are shows that bring out the best and the worst of people. You know, what do you do after you, to survive? Mm -hmm. You know, what, how far will you go? What is, what do you do in society? And how does this impact us? And how is everything tied into an electronic infrastructure? It's it's is a pretty brutal novel and, um. I don't think I've seen the worst of it yet. I have two hours to go, so I still have some damage to be done. Oh gosh. <laughs> but it's uh, it's good. I finished up a Rich w- witch wraith by Terry Brooks, his latest novel, and absolutely loved that. It was a conclusion of a three uh, three book series that he've had out over the past year, and it's absolutely was was really good. I really enjoyed the ride in that too. So I think my next novel, my next novel is going to be the Wheel of Time series. So I know that I'm in for a long ride for that. <laughs> that's at least, that's at least the way I'm leaning at this point point. Mm-hmm. and no movies. I haven't watched many movies. We started watching breaking bad, but that's not really sci-fi, but <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's move into some, uh, listener feedback. What you guys have been talking about. And, um, we're going to start off with a voicemail from Raul. Raul, uh, was a uh, huge in, uh, Wayne and Dan's Fringe casting podcast and, uh, has been involved with some other podcasts as well. But, um, he kind of wrote in, he said this. Um, this is a voice response that I mentioned because he was talking to me on Twitter. He said, I did have some fun with it. Just make sure that Em knows I love her list. It's just Janeway that I utterly despise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me know if you yep. like it, Raul. So, we're going
0: to um, have words, sir. Yeah. Words.
3: <laughs> so, so we're going to go ahead and uh, let me go ahead and play that and, um, and we'll go from
1: there. Hi, Scott and Miles. Raul here, and uh, this voicemail isn't for you. Sorry. But feel free to listen. M, I listened to your 5 and 5 for top female characters. It was an awesome list, and one with which I mostly agree. I will be honest, I was on pins and needles until you put Ellen Ripley at number one. Of course, if you hadn't, you would have forfeited your geek girl card. That, and the fact that your other picks were so awesome earns you some forgiveness for the one choice where I think you completely blew it. Janeway? Catherine Janeway? How could you? The most despised Starfleet captain of the entire Trekverse? Just because Paramount kept shoving her down our throats doesn't mean she deserves to be on any top list. Now, I respectfully suggest that her spot on the list should be replaced by one of the top sci-fi women of any medium, Ambassador DeLynn from the TV series Babylon 5. Scott and Miles interviewed Mira Furlan in the past. Remember that while they brought up Lost several times, her discussion kept going back to Babylon 5 and what an amazing show it was? That's true, and her characterization of DeLynn was a huge part of that success. Consider... She was the Anlashak of the Rangers. You know, we live for the one, we die for the one. She destroyed empires and raised new ones from the ashes. Even though she was a religious mystic, she could handle a Membari fighting pike or command a fleet. She gave her mm, quotes boyfriend a fleet of the most badass ships in the galaxy, and at the same time she could turn every head in the restaurant going out to dinner in an L B D. In fact, she makes Micah's little black dress in that warehouse 13 episodes seem almost lame. She could be girlish one moment, deeply philosophical the next, and then be totally deadly. Let me put it this way. Dillon had to be a way to address some issues back home. In one of the most amazing space battles in sci-fi, Babylon 5 had just fought off a massive attack. Exhausted and weakened when a second fleet arrives with overwhelming force. Just then, Delenn arrives with a small flotilla of ships, and we hear.
5: This is Ambassador Delenn of the Minbari. Babylon 5 is under our protection. Withdraw. Be destroyed.
4: Negative. We have authority here. Do not force us to engage your ship.
5: Why not? Only one human captain has ever survived battle with the Minbari fleet.
1: He is behind me. You are in front of me. If you value your lives, be somewhere else. Need I say more? Janeway simply cannot approach that level of awesomeness. I mean, let's face it, in comparison, Janeway is a scratchy voice, chain-smoker with bad PMS. Now, if you haven't seen Babylon 5, then you really owe yourself a treat. It is, to date, still the best sci-fi TV in the last 20 years. Other than that little point, that really was one of the best fivers in a long time. I would like to add two honorable mentions. I don't think they make the list, but they're certainly worth mentioning. First is Erin Sun from Farscape. She's as tough as Ripley or Sarah Connor, but without their gentle side. And the second would be Susan Ivanova, also from Babylon 5. This is another tough-as-nails lady you definitely went on your side in a tight spot. Driven, snarky, and you can trust her with your life. Now, that's my feedback. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to your thoughts, Raul.
3: All right. Thank you, you Raul, for that uh, feedback. And uh, so I, uh, what do you think about uh, what is, <laughs> what she, what, what's saying? And um, why don't you respond a little bit? What say me? Yes, what say I'll you? I'll tell
0: you. I'll tell you what I have to say, Raul.
3: What do you say about your chain... Mire, chico,
0: yo tengo opinión que yo your... ya um, lo tengo todo hecho. Sorry. <laughs> no. I was getting all... Right. I was so mad that... No, I'm not mad. No. <laughs> I didn't know what language was coming out. Um,
3: the scratchy I... voice chain smoker Janeway that you have is number three. She
0: wasn't... She was... She's got that elegant, you know... That Hep, Catherine Hepburn kind of voice that tells you that she doesn't take any poop from anyone, you know, she's uh, OK. So I do understand not everybody like Janeway. I never watched Babylon 5. I was never a big fan, nor was I a fan of the Farscape. So, you know, if they have characters like Janeway who are powerful women who, you know, lead with their righteousness in their job, but still with their heart so that they're doing the right thing, then they're basically all the same. And that's awesome. That's totally awesome. Yeah, absolutely. That it's an amazing, powerful woman. So I will check those out.
3: Right, right. So there. <laughs> there you go.
0: Janeway is still awesome.
3: So yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jim, <laughs> how about you? What do you think about uh, what, um, what Ro was saying?
2: Uh, uh, I'll tell you what, I really liked Captain Jane Uh I love the character. I love the way it was played. Had absolutely no problem with it. However, I I can't take issue with what Raul has to say about uh Mira Furland as um uh, oh geez now, nothing gets away from me. Jay Lynn for Babylon Five. Yes, and yeah. and I'll tell you what, she she was awesome too, and Susan Ivanova, I, I can't take issue with that either. Uh, it would be really difficult to limit my choices to just five. Mm. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, Yeah, and I think that's pretty evident here. Miles, how about you? What do you think of this list?
4: Um, I'm not as versed on Babylon 5. That's something else I need to see sometime, um, but... I, I I don't hate on Kate, Catherine genuine. I didn't know that she was the most hated captain in in the Star Trek series. I I that would be she was
0: misunderstood. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but but as far as well, I mean, there's the ones that are more popular, more well liked. But as far as actually hated, I you know that, that that would be an interesting poll to see. You know, if we pulled that, what would uh, people you know which Starfleet captain in the in the TV series do you? Do you hate the
3: most? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I guess, you know? I guess so. But I did not have a problem with Janeway being in the list, but I understand <laughs> Mira Furlong also being on that list as well as, being, as playing a really strong character. I've only watched like three or four episodes of Babylon 5, so I don't have enough, I don't feel like I have enough background to really mm-hmm. say with certainty. I certainly enjoyed interviewing her. But,
4: but those clips that Raul, you know, played, put in there in his message was very you know, very convincing. Of- oh, yeah,
3: Absolutely. But there's times there's there times that Janeway was hard nose too. And oh so, heck yeah. And so I think that you could probably play comparable clips for Janeway and say, see, she's just as you know badass.
4: I I, I think Janeway's a mama bear. If you mess with her ship, mess with her crew, you know, the claws come out. So that's
3: right. That's right.
2: Wow. Yeah, exactly. On Babylon Five, Delane wasn't as aggressive in my mind as Janeway was. The land was more of a... Uh, get people to think her way kind of thing and that was kind of her art to bring people together and she led in that way uh you guys really need to see babylon 5 it is a great series
3: i know i know raul's (laughs) been after me for about a year and a half now and uh i'm still working my way through deep space nine so (laughs) all right well thanks raul again for calling in and sharing your thoughts um Colin from across the pond went and saw Wolverine, and he's going to share some of his thoughts. And Colin, of course, is from Trek News and Views, mm-hmm. um, still putting out those podcasts, right? He took a
4: little break. He went on vacation, but he, he, he's back to recording them again. Yeah, Awesome. So mm-hmm. let's go ahead and hear from what
3: Colin has to say.
5: Hi, Scott. Hi, Miles. It's Colin from England. Uh, I just thought I would drop you a little line. I've been away on holiday in Italy, so I'm playing catch-up with the podcast. But uh, I have seen Superman, and I don't know you've covered it because I've already listened to the two feedback shows that I missed. So I won't go too much into that, but I did like to say that I did enjoy a lot the premise. I thought the action scenes were brilliant. The fighting was totally believable because that's what superhuman people would do. Um, and I thought that nice, modern, up-to-date feel of it worked a treat. Um, we also seen Wolverine uh, recently, a couple of days ago actually, um, and I liked it. Although it has to be said, it's not the some the Samurai story that people may know from the Wolverine comics. It's you know, it's a tenuous link to that story in the extreme and they just use it to go down some other avenues. The action sequences were good. Uh I, you know, it in three D and two D and you could see where the money had been spent on the 3D. You know, there's a fight scene on a train and all that type of stuff, and they maximise the use of 3D in that. That said, I don't think if you've seen it in 2D, it would detract anything from the film. Uh, There's some confusing parts in the film, um, for instance, and this is a massive spoiler. So If you haven't seen the film, please don't listen. Um, Basically, the, the premise is that this Japanese guy wants to take Wolverine's power so he can be immortal himself and what he does is he drills into his claws at the end to take his power which is completely wrong and completely stupid because his power is genetic and it's not in his adamantium skeleton so i totally didn't get the drilling into the adamantium claws at the end you know i mean if you wanted to find oil would you crack open rocks and go down a gold mine no you'd go to the source of where the oil is and the source of where the oil is in Wolverine is his bloodstream. So yeah, I, I didn't get that. Didn't get that bit at all. Um, there's, there's, as I said, there's some good bits, there's some bad bits, there's some silly bits. But you know, it's a superhero film. You're going to have silly bits, and even if the silly bits are really silly, but you're still going to have them. Um, I didn't think the villainess was evil enough for me. You know, she's supposed to be like, you know, the, the evil person in the film and she just wasn't evil. She wasn't menacing. She didn't make you you know, when, when eventually she got her comeuppance, you you mean, yeah, right? Yeah, you weren't really that bothered <laughs> because she she wasn't the focus of the film. Um the other thing I didn't like is um through the film Wolverine is having flashbacks to Gene, who he killed because basically this film carries on from X-Men 3. So he's having flashbacks through the film about Jean, and basically he's professing his love for her, and in the film he falls in love with a Japanese girl while still dreaming about Jean. That didn't work, because, you know, he's he's dreaming about one person and sleeping with someone else who knows he's dreaming about this other person. Yeah, that that was ever so slightly weird. Um... That, that didn't work for me. I also thought the, the actual the love angle of the film wasn't necessary anyway. It didn't add anything to the film. It, it was almost as if, like, you know, we need a love story type of thing. Um, so that it, it didn't work for me, and, and that score. Cool. But overall, you know, you want to, you know, leave your brain on the shelf and enjoy some fun. It's not going to tax you. It's, like, it's a superhero film. It's not going to need a lot of cerebral thinking to it. So, you know, I'd watch it again. You know, I enjoyed it. it was a nice enough romp. So um, I'll leave it to you guys. So take care. Leave a long gun podcast, and I'll speak to you soon.
3: Thanks, Colin, for calling in with your thoughts on Wolverine. And, Jim, why don't we start with you? What do you think about what he's saying about Wolverine?
2: Well, I'm glad to, glad to hear what he says, and it makes me want to watch it more. Uh, I have not been to see this one yet i'm kind of waiting for it to get to the cheap theater uh up at the mall, so it'll probably be there in a week or so so i 've been waiting for it and uh I appreciate he's what he's saying here um He
3: said it's not a big deal whether you see it in two d three d although he could see that it was obviously filmed for three d but he said you aren't really going to miss much, and we've seen that that's kind of a common mm-hmm. theme.
2: That, that's easy for me because I'm boycotting 3D. That's all there is to it. I will not see a 3D movie. Yeah,
4: yeah. I, I wow. saw it in the you know standard definition, and I still enjoy the train fight scene, even without. I mean, seeing on IMAX would be cool. 3D, I, I could take it or leave. Um, I I took from the one scene that Colin was talking about, where the one Japanese guy was like sucking the adamantium out of his claws. Um, maybe he didn't know that, um, m- maybe he was, you know, he was misinformed because I mean, Wolverine did recover after that. So that, that didn't bother me too much.
3: Yeah. Yeah. He said that, you know, all these superhero movies kind of have these silly bits in them, but mm-hmm. you kind of look, you kind of look past them. And did you see Wolverine? forget. Yeah.
0: Uh, that'd be a negative.
3: Maybe negative. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, a little bit problems with like the, uh, and I understand it, he's having flashbacks of Jean, who he's killed but is in love with, and he falls in love with this Japanese girl while dreaming of Jean. seems kind of off for him a little bit. Th-
4: that, whole, that whole whatever with the, with the Japanese girl, I, I, I didn't really care for. They, they just didn't seem to have any real chemistry. I mean, the one Japanese girl that recruited him in the first place, I thought them two had some pretty good chemistry and— I could have seen if if them two would have hit it off, but the the one woman he was protecting, eh, not so much.
3: Hmm. Yeah. Well, I did not see it, but I, like his comments on, I kind of want to see it because I loved the first Wolverine movie so much. Mm -hmm. And I know that people kind of panned it, but I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that. Oh, I did too. Yeah.
0: Um, Just hearing villain, not villain, 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 villain's not mean enough. Mm. Yeah um and love angle unnecessary it's those are the things that drive me nuts about some of these movies if you put put too much of the squishy in it i i don't i'm not paying 1250 to see you know my favorite characters get all schmutzy about somebody no i want to see some blood i want to see some guts i want to see some smarts some cool you know breaking the laws of science and I want to see that and I want to see a villain that's clever that's intelligent that's that's creepy and devious. So that I was I was hoping that it wouldn't be cuz I didn't care for Wolverine the first Wolverine movie. Oh. I was really hoping that it wouldn't involve that kind of schmaltz, but from what Collins telling me, I'm not getting a good feeling. I think I'm with Jim. I'm going to wait till it goes to the cheap theaters and I'm going to let somebody else pay for the ticket.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um. I you know I, I do I do want to see this. I'm not gonna see it in the theaters. I will I will rent it, mm-hmm. probably. At least but, and it's not that it's just again, I'm limited on what I can go see, but but thanks again for calling in Colin and if you get a chance please check out his show, Trek News and Views. Reviews and news. News and Views? Trek Trek News and Views. Okay, yeah. got it. Uh, David Griffin, he had written in earlier and we responded and he wrote in again because he wanted to clarify something he said and this is all about Superman. So it's a pretty long email. Um. Let's uh. Let's uh. Just read this. And why don't I take the um? I'll take the first three paragraphs, and then Miles, you can pick it up, and then uh, M, why don't you take the last three? Is that all right? Okay. So Sounds like a you point. got the middle three, Miles, and M. You can wrap it. Up. Okay. Okay. This is from David Griff, Griffin, and thank you for writing in, by the way. I think I said the comic book was with the plutonium was invincible, but it's irredeemable. There's a companion comic called incorruptible In irredeemable. The plutonium superficially very similar to Superman has pretty much all of Superman's powers. He works in journalism and has a secret identity. There is a Justice League of sorts, which he is the most powerful member. He is beloved by all. In Incorruptible, there is an evil supervillain called Max Damage, whose superpower is to grow more and more powerful as long as he doesn't sleep. I wish it happened to me. But Plutonium is flawed as a character. He doesn't have a strong upbringing or moral core to sustain him when he suffers a terrible setback, which he tends not to give his power level. He starts making mistakes, though, and something major goes wrong. And in trying to cover up, he gets deeper and deeper, going further and further into questionable than evil actions. When he comes out to his lowest lane, she not only exposes him, but laughs at him. He cracks and we find out just how dangerous Superman could be without the moral and ethical core that keeps him from taking those steps. Uh, Max damage sees it happen. He's also affected by his greatest enemy becoming evil and decides someone has to be good and starts trying to reform. In many ways, this is a more interesting story. By the way, this is kind of, let me give a premise. This is in response to us talking about whether the Superman movie had enough core to it, Mm -hmm. had enough ethical upbringing because we said it wasn't your 1950s good boy Superman. The Boy Scout. So it's Mm. kind of this response to it. Go ahead, pick up the email, uh, uh, Miles.
4: Superboy Prime starts out in the Crisis of Infinite Earths in the DC Universe. He is in our world, or very, or something very likely where DC Comics publishes Superman comics. Unlike ours, there are no superheroes. His parents adopted him, as it turns out, as he, as he was found in the forest. No rocket, I don't think. He's a decent kid with a girlfriend, but he doesn't quite have the grounded home life and 50 ethics that the real Clark had. Also, there are no superheroes in this world. Superman ends up in, in his world as part of the fighting, the crisis and Superboy then goes with the real Superman to fight against the uh, Anti-Monitor. He, mean, he nearly dies heroically and is ultimately saved by being relegated to a pocket universe with the Earth 2 Superman and Lois Lane and, and Alexander Luthor, Lex's son from the uh, universe in which Lex is good. Ultimately, though, he, he grows dissatisfied, having lost his whole world and his chance to be Superman eventually, and starts trying to get out of the Paradise pocket. Alexander also feels the same way since he is trying to save the Earth-2 Earth Lois, who is losing ground to what may be old age. They ultimately break out with uh, the, the somewhat altruistic goal of bringing back the multiverse and Earth-2 so that uh, Lois will get better. The path to this has a lot of questionable actions from Superboy and starts doing things which seem to lead to, to a laudable outcome but eventually just sink him deeper into the world of the supervillain. Finally, he is fighting the Teen Titans, trying to go easy on him, and he gets angry and kills one. He is horrified, but is forced to keep fighting against an angry group of superheroes.
0: Eventually, having gone way over the line, Clark becomes the universe's greatest supervillain, though not the smartest. You may think this is implausible given that surely Superman is more powerful, but actually the Legion Supervan the Legion version of Superboy is much more powerful than the Superman who exists today. Interesting stories. Both show a person with Kryptonian powers who lack the level of solid ethical core and devotion to humans uh, and doing the right thing who both go wrong and show people how bad Superman can get without those features. I may have gotten a few things wrong here, but... You should be able to look up the stories online. Irredeemable and incorruptible are published by Boom Studios. Very good, by the way. There was another time travel story, can't remember which one, in which three villains from the Legion of Superheroes 30th century, villains who fought the Legion, called Saturn Woman, Cosmic Man, Light and Lightning Lord, come back in time and subvert Batman and Superman's origins. They bring the two children up with um, questionable morals, and it works. Superman and Batman become their enforcers and conquer the world. The DC heroes are hunted down and murdered by the pair of them. Ultimately, they find out what has happened and end up keeping it all from happening. What this again demonstrates, though, is that Superman is only who he is because of how he's raised, and that he... And what he therefore believes, Jarrell and Lara may have had him as their child, but John and Martha Kent really created who he is. I know this story. Yeah. I read this. Which one? It's very cool. The one he's talking about where Superman and Batman are brought up differently and they're just total D-bags. And then they go, they realize what's going on and go to fix it back. It's a great story.
3: Yeah. And, you know, he's kind of, I think the argument here, the background of this argument is that, you know, that- The new Superman, you know, Man of Steel, didn't quite carry the ethical side as much as people wanted. Wasn't that your feeling from what people were saying, Miles?
4: From the the email we discussed last time, yeah.
3: Yeah, and so this is kind of just kind of supporting that if you don't have this in Superman, this is what happens. Now, I didn't – again, you know, we – we really need Jeffrey on here to talk about this because he would be mm-hmm. familiar with all these stories much better than I would. Uh, because I, you know, again, I, I have very limited knowledge with the comics. But um, this is kind of what he's saying. This is if you don't, a Superman brought up the way he was, this is what he becomes.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, Jim, have you read any of the Superman comics? Not for many, many years. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I, I am not familiar with this at all.
3: Yeah, so I don't know, but 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 um, you, you saw you, you read the one where they go back in time, and you mm-hmm. and so you enjoyed it, but it does it does, you know, it all has to do with the upbringing. If you don't have that moral and ethical upbringing, you have a different Superman, and a different Batman.
0: It's a yeah, it's about nurture, not nature. Yeah. So it is it is John and Martha Kent who, you know, they I agree with that statement. They they are the ones who created the Superman that we get, and it makes sense when we see all the different Supermans. You know, you get a different John and Martha Kent. And in this movie, it's a very, to me, it's a very different John and Martha. And I like them because they're, they are much more believable. They're much more human.
3: Right. Yeah. At the same time, because they are very different, this changes the Superman that we get in the movie then. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at his core, though, there is, you know,
4: I I still think that the Superman we saw in Man of Steel Still wants to do the right thing. It's just that he has struggled more growing up, and that he's, um, um you know, just just had to deal with a lot more. But but mm-hmm. because we see, despite the fact when even when the crap is thrown at him, he doesn't. Uh, you know, he, he could let that 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 school bus of, of children die and and let Pete Ross drown in that in that lake, but. Even after the, Ross mistreats him, he goes back in and gets him. So the, despite the fact that this this Martha uh, and uh, John uh, Kent are, are not the same that we've had in the past, they're still, I think, inherently good people and still raise Clark to be a good person. It's yeah. just that they're just a little bit—the rose-colored glasses that uh, other people who wrote them in the past it, it isn't there, I think. This it, it, is yeah. a more realistic set of eyes.
3: Carl also wrote in and said, "I have major problems with his version of Superman being turned into Hyperion. This Superman only uses fist and didn't use his mind to beat Zod. What do you think about that?"
0: Um? I, mm, I'm gonna have to think. I don't remember much about Hyperion, but I, I would, I do not agree with he only uses fist, not his mind. Yeah. I mean, he. I got to think about that one. I don't think it's just an only. I think, I think he used his fist as a last resort. Yeah,
3: yeah. Well, Em, I know we have to let you go. Why don't we let, Why don't we cut you loose here? Thanks for joining us on the listener feedback show, and we're going oh, to continue recording just a little it. bit. Good night, Em. Okay,
0: fellas, have a good night, and Raúl, you and I have to talk.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I did want to give like a super quick shout out. Um, uh, where to go? Where to go? Where to go? Oh, boogers. Hold on. I know you can edit all that out. Or Hopefully. It you, you could edit he, he <laughs> can Yeah, sure. Leave it all in. <laughs> I just wanted to give a super huge shout out to Neil Klampas and his email about what his company does and how they are a bunch of superheroes because they are working on um, different disciplines and options for cancer and leukemia therapies. And he sent me this great email that I actually choked up and and wept a little because it's it's so great to hear that. And, dude, I am just virtually hugging you like a like a boss right now.
3: There you go. Hugs from M. Always worth the price. Oh,
0: not so. as good as Amanda Tappins.
3: No, no, definitely not. Or Eddies. But.
0: Or Eddies. <laughs> yeah, okay, on that note.
3: All right, hey, we'll catch you all right, later, guys, em. Have a Good night. All right. Good night, Em. Bye. Um so Superman here, uh Hyperion. Are you familiar with the Hyperion storyline at all, uh, Jim? No, not at all. Yeah. Yeah, me neither. So uh, that's something I'll have to check out sometime. Yep. Yeah, but but he said that. Uh, what do you think about the comment that he used only his fist and didn't use his mind to beat Zod?
4: Yeah, in the movie, um,
3: that that there there is a lot of that. Um, well, I'm thinking that the only place you might argue is like when he tells when he tells Zod that you need to focus mm-hmm. so that he actually learns how to control his powers. You that know, wasn't he, really using his mind there.
4: No, he definitely was not using did, his mind. He may have should have shut up about that. I mean, he would have had the advantage if he would have, you know...
3: Well, I, you know, I feel like the struggle is maybe more of a moral struggle for him than... We have to remember, this is
4: Superman's first mission or whatever going against the bad guy, and Zod is, you know, in many ways the ultimate bad guy. He's a fellow Kryptonian. Um, we have to give We have to give Superman in this movie a lot more latitude because... Um, you know, he's, you know, still, still learn, learn how to be Superman. Um, I don't think. (laughs) Go
2: ahead. Not only that, Superman got backed into a corner by Zod. This is going to end one way, either with me alive or you alive, but it isn't going to be both. So Superman really had no choice.
3: Yeah, it's very true. Very true.
4: Well, yeah. Well, you, well, well, well. at the end of the movie, I mean, Zod put him in a, in a compromised position. You know, I mean, Zod was going to fry these people with his uh, fry the know,
3: family in the train station with,
4: right? with, with his heat vision. I mean, so there, that's the only thing he could have do is just he ha- he had he had Zod's neck in his hands. That was the only thing he could do. Yeah. So. But it, it has definitely generated some interesting discussion.
3: No, absolutely. Thanks, Carl, and thanks as well. Um, thanks, David, for writing in and giving us your continued thoughts on that. And uh, if you have anything more to say of it, we'll share it on the show. But we appreciate you writing in and letting us know Letting us know your thoughts. Let's chat about a little bit of TV now. Let's chat about Falling Skies. I, of course, am not watching it, but you guys both watched a finale here, and... Uh, miles let's hear from you first well what what, uh, what was your impressions of the of this being the wrap up to the season
4: it wasn't bad um uh, this has not been the most satisfying season to me
3: that's right you were discussing whether you, you thought it would even be renewed and of course they renewed it for then for a fourth season,
4: yeah, so the ratings must still be be strong enough to do that um but yeah just not 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 very like i said this was not the most satisfying season to me um as far as the season finale goes, um, it, it's kind of funny. They sort of the big battle is all at the beginning, and then they it's dealing with the aftermath, and then them dealing with the, with the Vom. Um, and the Vom say, you know, well we're we're going to relocate you. We'll, we'll do the fighting, and you know, for, for, of course, uh, you know the the resistance protests at first, but you know, to 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 basically just go along with it. Well, you know all right, we'll, we'll leave the, we're, we're not going to relocate to Brazil. That's what the, uh, the vom wanted to do with them. And, and, um, um, but I, I would have been like, um, okay, get off our planet. Um, you know, who are you, who are you to relocate us and tell us to lay down our arms? I mean, this is our planet we're fighting for. I mean, we, 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 we were happy to take your help and all that, but to just, uh, so I found that part kind of dissatisfying, where they they, they agreed to, you know, in the end to, they say they'll, they'll eventually fight back, but they they'll they'll leave this battlefield for now, um, and let the Vohm deal with uh, the, the the aliens. So,
3: yeah, Jim, how about you? you uh, to, what, your your reactions to the finale of of Falling Skies this season?
2: I'm I'm right with Miles on what he said about that. I could not believe that Colonel Weaver laid his rifle down and was ready to just go off to a concentration camp in Brazil. I mean, that completely blew me away. I would more have expected him to say, Okay guys, now we got a two front war we're fighting. But that wasn't the case. Uh along with that, my the thing that just absolutely infuriated me about this episode okay so, uh later on in the episode you've got clan mason uh tom and the three boys and maggie walking into this clearing and all of a sudden the ship lands and out comes karen the evil person who's being controlled by the Ishveni or whatever they're called and she walks up and she's holding a white flag Okay, and words are exchanged. And all of a sudden, this paragon of virtue, this pillar of morality, this former president of the new United States shoots Karen while holding a flag of truce. And I mean, that was just over the line. It was absolutely horrible. And I think this show has finally jumped the shark. And I think I think it's uh, downhill from here unless they get a new writing team next year. So I was I was very disappointed with the finale.
3: Now, will that keep you, Jim, from going back and watching it next year, or will you give it a chance next year?
2: Oh no, I I'm open-minded enough that uh, of course I'll give it a chance. But um, you know I'm not going to let one episode uh, ruin it for me. I I. Normally I do not sit and pick apart television shows, movies, or anything. Uh a lot of the things that I hear that are flawed here and there, um I hear about on, on the diner and other podcasts I listen to and, and I'm not watching a show for that. I want a good story. I want to enjoy what I'm watching. So my capacity to suspend my disbelief I think is is quite high. But when something like that happens uh i'm sorry i i cannot I cannot condone something like that. The writers were just so far off it it wasn't even funny mm. Mm.
3: that does seem out of character from Tom Mason that's for sure i mean Tom mm. Mason was under the
4: impression that you know uh Anne and his daughter were were dead, but yeah i mean when you hold- i mean there's just some things you you, you hold a white flag of truce. You know, there is just eh, you, you do something like that. You can't necessarily be trusted anymore. I mean, I understand his pain, yeah. but you know, there's just he it in front of his kids
2: for crying out loud. Right, right. Hmm. So he's he's a teacher. Uh, he should realize, like any other teacher, that no matter what we do, uh, teacher is a teacher twenty-four-seven. And whatever we do is is teaching somebody something.
3: Yeah, you would expect, especially as a history teacher, you would think. Yes. Yeah. Well, so not high thumbs up for the finale of this this season, that's for sure.
4: Yeah, I, I gotta think that. I mean, I know they're getting another season, but I gotta think they're pro- This this show may have one or two more seasons left. I mean, I think they they have to probably try to, re- kind of wrap things up. I mean, f- five seasons for any show is is good in this day and age. But
3: right, so this will be what season four coming out? Yeah,
4: yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me if they just this, if we if this might be their last season. But we'll have to see.
3: Now, Jim, are you with Miles on the fact that he he has felt that this season has been a little lackluster overall as far as the writing goes?
2: Um and I I don't totally agree with that. I think there were a few episodes that were really, really intense. Um if you recall the one where uh Hal had Tom hostage. Um what was that? About a month ago, about four episodes ago. Uh that was the most intense episode I had seen. I I really thought that uh quite I got to say, I like season three a little bit better than I liked season two. Mm. Makes sense. Makes Yeah, sense. I thought it was a little more exciting. Yeah.
3: Well, let's move into talking about two other TV shows before we wrap up this show. Let's talk about Continuum. Uh, both of you guys are watching Continuum. How is Continuum unraveling for you? Jim, let's start with you.
2: Okay. Um... Uh, so Kira has finally revealed uh her secrets to her partner um and that has really added a lot to the show I think uh but this recent friend with Julian coming out of the, of of um, as as a real bad guy is starting to get really gripping. I mean he walks into a room and has gunned several people down in the future. Uh, and he's looked like uh, if he keeps going the way he is, I think he'll probably make Kagami look like a red cross volunteer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: that's
2: probably true, Miles.
4: What I liked about that scene was it, it things are just not totally black and white with this show. I mean, you 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 know liberate. You know, obviously Kira's fighting against Liberate, and sort of she works for the Corporate Congress, or you know, was one of their law enforcement officers. But the Corporate Congress has done some really detestable things. I and mean, this this factory, uh, there there's these thousands of people that are in there um, serving life sentences. They they put this is like thirty years before Kira and, and and Liberate go back to uh, our, our time period, but if 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 you've you know basically if, basically if you've defaulted on your debts you serve a life sentence they basically you basically get enslaved but What they'll do is they'll put a chip in you and i don't know you know if you're conscious or not but basically you're just a, a automaton and you're assembling more of these chips or whatever to to make this 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 um uh slave uh uh, labor group thing, and so he he said, you know, he, his one of his lieutenants said, you know, could, about rescuing these people. He said, we can't save these people; it's it's not possible. Because I remember when when uh, Kira was saying he's killed ten, tens of thousands of people, but if if he's right, these people couldn't have been saved to begin with. And so it, it's interesting how uh, I, I love this show. It's just uh, it's 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 not everything is not black and white. Um, it is so complicated. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they just up the ante in the season. You feel like, Oh yeah. The season two has been great. I mean, I love season one, but I love season two even more.
3: Well, that's a good sign. Yeah. yeah. Good sign When you get into the there.
2: Show. Have... So there is not been that episode of continuum.
3: Oh, good. Well, I might have to, uh, I might have to do that when I get some time here, if mm-hmm. that ever happens. But, uh, very good. How about Under the Dome? Under the Dome, we had a new episode drop last night. Did you watch the latest episode? Miles? I'm caught up in Under the Dome. Yeah, Under the Dome, and, mm-hmm. and Jim, you too. Yes, sir. Okay, Miles. Why don't we start out with you this time? What's going in with Under the Dome? How's it? How's it faring? It's uh well, a lot of the people we
4: we talked about earlier about situations that either will bring out the best in people or the worst in people. But in the last two episodes, we it was we really saw what. what what brings out the worst in people? I mean, we had people rioting in the streets and um, looting the stores and stuff. And um, the, the sheriff, she's only has only a handful of people to try to help keep keep order and stuff. And so we we saw things really go to pot uh, the last uh, two episodes. Um, uh, we saw so, but but the, but still, it's, it's still good. I mean, it's, right. it's, it's really. I mean, uh, we're just seeing what's happening. Um, we saw. Um, well in the last episode a lot of the water supply got contaminated but this one farmer he has a very deep well of water but he and Big Jim uh, the, the, the councilman who's sort of, sort of I guess the de facto mayor or whatever um, they they hate each other and uh, um, so um, Big Jim gives uh, I forget the guy's name but gives him some propane but the guy goes a step further and basically says no I'm going to basically you know, it's your propane, and he and Jim goes to his warehouse where the propane is being stored, and there's a guy with a shotgun, and I guess this farmer is sort of moving into Jim, Big Jim's territory. So, mm. so you, 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 again, you're seeing what this does to the worst of people. Um, so, um, we saw one of the characters die. I mean, you will see more people die, but, but um, because insulin is low. One one of the women is is, is diabetic. Um, she ends up, you know, her heart can't take it, and so she we the the one daughter and one teenage boy that seems to be connected to the dome in some way.
3: Her mother passes away. So, uh, uh, Jim, this has to be reminding you a little bit of one second after.
2: Yeah, as a matter of fact, it does. Uh, I've thought of that a couple of times. I uh, thought the same thing as I as I watched the book or or as I listened to Under the Dome book also last year sometime. Um I agree with everything Miles said. Uh my my angle though is I want to like Big Jim. Okay. In in the book he was not at all a likable character. I mean I hated him. But you know He's he's for the community as, as second only to himself, okay? And he's also showing that he is a person you do not mess with. Uh, he proved that last night when he blew up the guard by uh, by his uh, uh, warehouse of, of propane. Uh, the farmer's name is Ollie, and he's played by, oh, I wish I could think of the actor's name, um,
4: I've seen him in tons yeah. of stuff. He's 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 really good, though.
2: Yeah, he was he was Sunny LQ Clemens in in an episode of Star Trek when yep. when they brought the people. Yeah, uh, geez, I like him. I really like his character, but he is really not a nice person in this in, in this one. Um, scary. Uh, but yeah, you can see how everybody's for themselves. Okay, now. Big Jim, to me, I kind of like him. I don't like some of the things he does, but I think he's more for the community and the survival of the community in the show than he was in the book. And then Dale Barbara bothers me. I mean, here's a guy who works who was looking for the mob, killed Julia Shumway's husband, and now is sleeping Julie Shumway. Yep. <laughs> it, I, and and doesn't seem to give a hang about it one way or the other. And so in the book, Barbie was the big, big hero in the, in the show. He's got a few uh, dents in his armor. Big Jim was a big zero, but he seems to be in the show a little more virtuous. You see this coming out on a lot of the comments that I see on under the dome when, you uh when you read the comments after a show uh people either hate show and love the book or they liked a lot of the book and they do like show but there doesn't seem to be any gray area there at all
3: well i i think uh people are saying of last night's episode that last night's episode especially departed from the book
2: yeah it was way way different than the book um it it's an entity unto itself. So if you're expecting a screen rehashing of Stephen King's Under the Dome, let it go. And watch the show for what it is. It's being done with Stephen King's and uh, and it's and it's a new story. It's it's different. It's just based on the idea of the book. And if you've ever read the book they they absolutely could not make a movie or a TV show out of what went on in that book because it was extremely graphic. Mm. Yeah.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, thanks, guys, for sharing about Under the Dome. Anything else we want to talk about before we wrap up the show here? I think we hit most of the major yeah, shows. Yeah, I, th-
4: I think we covered it, yeah. Yep.
3: Yeah. All right, well, thank you both for joining us tonight. Miles, you're always here. But thanks, Jim, for uh, joining us tonight to talk about the uh, some of the comments that came in from listeners and also your thoughts about the Fallen Skies finale, Continuum and Under the Dome.
2: Ah, happy to do it. Thanks for inviting
3: me. Yeah, it was no problem at all. I believe it's time for us to wrap up the show. Before we get out of here, though, if you have any comments or thoughts about the upcoming weeks under the dome or any of the films that you're going to see or any books that you're reading or any more thoughts on Superman about him being an ethical or unethical Superman. Uh, we would love to hear from you. You can call us at one 508 4343 or email us at the sci-fi diner podcast at gmail.com. But I believe that's about it. Thank you so much for tuning in.
4: All right. Till next time. Good night and good luck.
0: Apply. Thank you so much for visiting the sci-fi diner we hope you enjoyed the food and the service and the conversations if you'd like to share your thoughts regarding what we've talked about or tell us what you're watching or reading flip open your communicators and contact us at 1-888-508-4343 or click the speak pipe link at sci-fi diner or Send an mp3 or typed email to sci-fi diner podcast at gmail.com. You can also join the conversation on our Facebook fan page at facebook.com slash sci-fi diner. We'll share your thoughts on our listener feedback show. If you'd like to support the diner beyond the conversation, you can always throw some coins in the tip jar at sci-fi diner